I, uh, as I prayed yesterday, I thought about God's blessings, His goodness to us, and this Thanksgiving weekend. And you know, when I was a child, we didn't have a lot. We didn't know it. Mom and Dad were incredible in just blessing us. We didn't have a lot, but I've watched God bless my family and bless us through the years. And we've certainly not arrived and don't have it all today, but basically I have food on my table every time I need it. I have a roof over my head every time I need, a, I need to sleep, I need to rest, I have a bed to sleep in. God's been good. God's been faithful. And I've experienced some incredible blessings in my life. But God checked my heart and He said, please, please remind those in the house today that there are those here, you may be struggling to pay your water bill. You may be struggling, you may be wrestling with what it is you need to come up with just to provide Christmas for your kids. There are those in the house today, maybe you've, you've not had a silver spoon and you've not been blessed and you're just struggling with the issues of life today. Maybe your husband wasn't faithful. Maybe, maybe you lost your son or you lost a daughter. Maybe, maybe there are some things or some people that have been really unkind to you in life. And I felt the Spirit of the Lord just whisper to my heart yesterday and say, remind them that God is still God. Remind them that God is here. Remind them that God can work in their life in this very hour, in this very moment and do the impossible. I want to share with you what I believe could be one of the most important messages that uh, you may hear or that you may have the opportunity to share with someone else and in so doing, do that very thing. We live in a world that scoffs and makes a mockery of the church and the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, we have been led into worship today. We have mentioned that name again and again and again. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. And I believe that this particular scripture today reveals to us one of scoffers' greatest problems. But at the same time, I believe that this word constantly reveals itself and makes him known and answers every question. And so this morning, I want to speak just for a few minutes on the subject of solving the great why. Why Jesus was born of a virgin. Why he had to come from the Virgin Mary. I could, have, I could have titled it the blessing of adoption, the Heli conundrum, any number of things, but most importantly today, God's Word answers every question for your life. I wanna to go to the Word of God, I wanna to go to Matthew chapter one as a, as a basis. All 17 verses there are important, I won't read all of those. But in verse 11, there's an odd scripture that says, Josiah, Josiah begot Jeconiah, and his brothers about the time they were carried away to, to Babylon. To Babylon. If you stay in that chapter, verses 16 and 17 said this, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. Mary gave birth to Jesus who is called the Messiah. All those listed include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the very Messiah. Now I want to read to you from Luke chapter 3. 
Before I get to verse 31, I want to read verse 23. The Word of God said that Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. And Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. And Joseph was the son of Heli. So Matthew calls Jacob the father of Joseph. And now Luke calls Heli the father of Joseph. And then when we look at verse, verse 31, Eliakim was the son of Mela. Mela was the son of Mena. Mena was the son of Mataha. Mataha was the son of Nathan. And Nathan, the son of Nathan, Nathan was the son of David. Father, I ask you to add your anointing and your power to your word today. I pray, God, that if there is a scoffer in the house, one who disbelieves, one who's not quite sure, maybe they're just wrestling with whether or not this is just something that I need to do on Thanksgiving weekend. I'm just here, God, because I'm here for someone else. That before this morning is over, that somehow you would speak to them and reveal the very real Jesus to the very real soul that needs him desperately. I pray that you'll do this for your glory, that somehow we might live with greater confidence that what we're doing matters. That's why we're here. You are the reason, not only for the season, but for our living and a life that is not lived in vain. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. You may be seated. Mel Gibson's popular movie, The Passion of the Christ, gave us the unfortunate impression that the cross was a tragedy. No, it was indeed not a tragedy, but it was an achievement sanctioned by God before the beginning of time itself. It was planned from the foundation of the world. His birth was planned from the foundation of the world. When Isaiah prophesied in chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is given. He said a a son is, is given. A child is born. A son is given. A child is born was the human side. But a son is given is the divine side. These two terms are not synonymous. God is doing two different things. He is setting us up for both the human and the divine. From the integrity of design, we can prove Jesus Christ did and does exist beyond the shadow of a doubt. Matthew describes a line of Jesus that leads us to the Messiah. Luke describes a line of the Messiah. Mark is the only gospel that does not contain a genealogy because Mark Mark promotes Jesus as the suffering servant. And in the days of Jesus, in the days of of Jesus, uh, no one worried about the pedigree of a servant. 
What about John, you would ask? Uh, it doesn't seem that uh, there is anything there about his genealogy, but he is there. It is just that John takes a shorter version. He doesn't get caught up in the earthly version. He just simply says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word is God. Astronaut Jack Swigert said this. He said, Houston... We have a problem. During the eventful journey of Apollo 13, just after observing a warning accompanied by an oxygen tank explosion, it took place on April the 13th, 1970. The astronauts understood that power was limited, but they would return to safety six days later. When you look at Matthew's line, and then you compare it to Luke's messianic line, there seems to be a problem. There seems to be a conundrum. But today I remind you that scripture is holy. It is descriptive and it is causal. For every why there is an answer. For every problem there is a God who solves it. Every Christmas and Advent season our thoughts to the turn to the birth of Christ and to the Virgin Mary. One answer, of course, we understand uh, is that uh, uh, the word is there to fulfill the prophecy. If we are not careful, we begin to take for granted uh, the nativity, the birth of Jesus uh, uh, in Bethlehem. It warms our heart. We sing about him. Mary, did you know? We sing and we worship and we do our Christmas celebrations and programs. Uh, uh, but we need to understand this morning that there is a why to the fact that Jesus was born of a virgin. One answer is to fulfill that prophecy. Isaiah 7, 14. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel, God with us. But that's more descriptive than it is causal. Why was the virgin birth necessary in the first place? Was God caught off guard? Was God not alerted to the need? There are, of course, a, a lot of theological issues inherent to the virgin birth. One way to look at this issue is to address the problem that it, that it solves. Stay with me. We'll build on a foundation, hopefully, that will take us somewhere that can quite possibly change our lives. When we look at the house of David, Matthew, Matthew takes us from Solomon to Joseph. Matthew 1 and 6, David begot Solomon. Matthew, as a Levite, will deal with the royal, regal, legal line of Abraham to David, to Solomon, to Joseph, to Jesus. But Luke will take us through David to Nathan to Mary. Luke 3.31, which was the son of Nathan, which was the son of David. Luke as a physician. Watch this. Matthew deals with the legal line. So, so uh, it is that Luke is a physician and he deals with the, the bloodline. 
And he traces Jesus from Adam to David to Nathan to Mary to Jesus. It would seem like a problem. It would seem like the word contradicts itself. The genealogy of Jesus, according to Matthew's account, ends with Jacob beget Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus. I want to make sure that we define the problem, that we understand that there are those who have and belittled and made fun of the word of the almighty God but the word of God is inerrant today if you can count on anything in your life you can count on the fact that the word of God has an answer for you no matter what you are going through in your life So God announces very early the plan of redemption involves a Messiah that will be brought forth from the tribe of of Judah and specifically from the kingly line of David. But when we look at the life of David, we see that the succession of kings that will follow him does not lend to a lot of hope. It's a dismal chain. As the succeeding kings of Judah went from bad to worse, a very important name, you need to remember, you need to remember the name Jesus You need to remember uh, uh, Joseph and Mary, uh, but you need to remember the name Jeconiah. Jeconiah. The word tells us in Matthew 1.11, as he mentions him, he is also known as Jehoiachin or Coniah, upon whom God pronounces a blood curse. That curse we can find in Jeremiah 22 verse 30. Thus says the Lord, Write you this man, Jeconiah, childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days, for no man of his seed shall shall prosper, sitting upon the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. The problem is, is that it would seem that the curse of Jeconiah seems to invalidate who Jesus is and his right to the throne of David because the Davidic covenant promises us that the Messiah, the son of David, will reign over Jerusalem's throne. That's 1 Chronicles 17. If Jesus is a descendant of Jeconiah, then how can he be the Messiah? since the curse bars any of Jeconiah's descendants in the line of Joseph from assuming David's throne. This would seem to be a problem. It would seem to be a conundrum. It would seem that Jesus would have come from a cursed bloodline. This world, I submit to you today, however, has never had a problem that Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, could not solve. And so as you look around you today and we live in troubled times, we live in unbelieving times, there is a God who sits on the throne of heaven and we can access him through the power of the Holy Spirit and the name that is above every name, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. So there are solutions to every difficulty. First, the offspring of Jeconiah mentioned in the curse could be a limited reference to his own children, his immediate offspring. 
In other words, the phrase in his lifetime applies to the entire verse. The curse was in force as long as the king lived. And that is exactly what what takes place as Jeconiah was not successful as a king. He only reigned for three, for three, three months. He has seven sons. Not one of those seven sons will reign on the throne of their father David. And so it is, we understand that Jesus is of the royal bloodline through Mary. But the curse of Jeconiah stops with Joseph and is not passed on to Jesus. That is the problem. How do we handle it? The curse creates a, creates a perplexing paradox. The Messiah has to come from the legal royal line, yet now there is a blood curse on the regal royal line, the legal line that leads to Joseph. I always visualize, listen, the problem was never at Calvary. Satan never had a party and and the demons of hell never celebrated the cross of Calvary. If there was one place they didn't want Jesus to get to, it was to the cross of Calvary. They didn't shout out with glee. They They didn't celebrate and have have this party because Jesus died. But if there was ever a place in the scripture where, where the ununderstanding uh, parallels of hell uh, ever had a reason or thought they had a reason to celebrate, it was probably right, right here. And this is where I see that God, God turns to, to the host of heaven and says, watch this. Watch what I'm about to do now. Watch what I, I've kept hidden in, in the annals of history through Uh, in the deeply buried secrets of my word uh, understand what it is I'm about to do and so far I know there's not a lot to shout about and rejoice about but but stay with me we get there it gets good God blesses us the problem is uh, is this Jeconiah and that's why Joseph and Mary cannot be intimate before Jesus arrives the legal line would have cursed the bloodline but not only that Joseph would have cursed Mary the mother of Jesus if it was Joseph's seed Jesus would have been invalidated as the Messiah but God is working and Christmas is working all the way back in the the days of the old covenant and the answer begins to emerge in in the differing genealogies that I've shared with you this morning about Jesus Christ Matthew as a Levite, focuses his gospel on the Messiahship of Jesus. He presents him as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so Matthew traces the line of Jesus from Abraham as any Jew would. Through David, through Solomon, to Joseph, the legal father of Jesus. There's no denying that. Joseph becomes the legal earthly father of Jesus. On the other hand, Luke, as this physician, focuses on the humanity of Jesus. He presents him as the son of man. Luke traces the bloodline from Adam through to David and his genealogy from Abraham through David. And it is identical to Matthew's. But then when he gets to David, he makes this sudden turn in the book of Luke. 
He presents him, he presents him as the son, as the son of man, but he also presents him as the son of, of Nathan. He is, the, he is the surviving son of Bathsheba. And he traces Nathan down to Heli, the father of Mary, and the mother of Jesus. So why is Joseph mentioned as the son of Heli in Luke's account? Heli is the father of Mary. How can he be the father of Mary and be the father of Joseph at the same time? Especially when the curse flows through Jehoiachin. Luke 2 and 4 said, He was of the house and the lineage of David, which is the legal side. So how do we rectify this problem? Why would Luke tell us that Joseph is the son of Heli? I'm being very specific for a reason. Because I know this is not a typical Sunday morning message but it is more of a Christmas message than you'll ever realize perhaps in your life. Watch what happens. When you go to Numbers chapter 26, verse 33, turn to your neighbor and say all the way back. When you go all the way back to Numbers chapter 26, verse 33, the word of the Lord says this, now Zelophehad, the son of Hepher, had no sons, but daughters. He had five daughters, and the name of those daughters was, was Mela, Noah, Hogla, Milka, and Tirzah. Five daughters. Zelophehad, had a man that has five daughters and no sons. And so there is no passing of the inheritance because by Old Testament law, the inheritance could only be passed through a son. Had to be through a son. Numbers 27 verses 1 through 11 tells us about this exception that, that God imparts uh, uh, to Zelophehad. In the law, it permits inheritance through the daughter if there are no sons available and she marries within her tribe. Understand, this is hundreds of years before Jesus comes. Hundreds of years before Jesus comes. Which, so, so, in essence, the father of the daughters, Zelophehad, has a right to adopt the husband of his daughter. When he adopts that husband, he imparts to him every legal right that he would bestow upon a fleshly born son. So we understand that the daughters of Zelophehad have petitioned Moses for a special exemption, an exception, which was granted when they enter into the promised land under Joshua. When you enter in, when you step in in faith, when you believe God, when you obey God, God begins to work exceptional things in our lives. He steps in and begins to do what the world cannot do, what the law cannot possibly cover. God begins to cover 
It was C.I. Schofield that first noted the claims of Christ and said they rely upon this exception granted to the family of Zelophehad in the Torah. So Heli, Mary's father, has no sons. And Mary marries Joseph from the tribe of Judah. From, from the tribe of Joseph. And Jesus is born of the Virgin Mary of the house and the lineage of David and carries a legal title to the line. But without the blood curse of of Jeconiah. I believe that every detail in the Torah and the entire Bible has a direct link to Jesus the Christ. Jesus is already taking care of his own problem hundreds of years before in the book of Numbers itself. As a matter of fact, it was Psalms chapter 40 verse 7 that said the volume of this book is written about me. How many of you know today that everything that was, is, and will be. It's all about Jesus. He makes the ultimate difference in every life, in every heart, in every situation. So this is not just some afterthought. It's not some post facto remedy. It's first announced in the Garden of Eden when God declares war on Satan. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He will... uh, He will bruise his heel. But the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the Christ Jesus himself will indeed crush your head. I'm telling you today, everything is under his feet. You can rest assured today that he is faithful, that the word adds up, that you can depend on the word of God in every question of your life. So the seed of the woman becomes a prophetic title for the Messiah. I, just, I don't, that's a whole different message. I, don't, I, have, I do not understand why we have a problem with a woman sharing the hope of the gospel. Like, like it just happened with Mary, at, Mary Magdalene at the, at the empty tomb. We're all the way back in Genesis. We're all the way back in Numbers. God's using men, God's using women. He has something to do with your life and for your life and through your life. I, I don't care what's, what circumstances you've been through. God is something that he can do with your life. He can reveal himself in you and do the incredible if you will. So it is that Prophet Micah says, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler, ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting to everlasting. The Word of God tells us that we are redeemed from the curse. Look at Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. The curse of the law is placed upon Jeconiah and his offspring. He has redeemed us. He has become a curse for us. Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of his spirit through faith. 
Galatians 4, 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as, as sons. So I'm gonna bring this to a close. Emma, come help me. Micah, come help me. Stand up here wherever one can see you. Jeremy, come, come help me. Just kind of stand side by side. Jeremy, stand on the left or the right of either one of them. It's fine. Mary. Guess which one's Mary. Mary has to conceive of the Holy Spirit. She has to conceive of the Holy Spirit in order to protect the bloodline of Jesus. And she cannot conceive the natural human way because it will be contaminated and it will continue the curse. So God in his infinite wisdom uses non-cursed blood. Mary's line, which is the spiritual line. And because Christ needs a legal right and authority to exist on earth so that his sacrifice is legal, he has to have a human attachment. And so it is that Mary is a spouse to Joseph and it is that Heli, who is Mary's earthly father, adopts Joseph as his earthly father. Don't tell me that God doesn't know what he's doing. That God didn't already know what he was doing hundreds of years before Jesus even shows up on the, on the scene. From Genesis to Exodus to Psalms uh, to Malachi, he is, he is the Messiah, the Lord of Lords, uh, and the King of Kings, and God has planned it all. So uh, Mary's dad adopts Joseph. The blood on, on Mary's side brings forth Jesus from sin, free from sin. And because Joseph is adopted into the family, the curse from the bloodline is dealt with. The curse stops and it cannot be passed on to Jesus. Our legal right became contaminated when Adam and Eve fell in the garden of Gethsemane. Oh, I need another one. Come help me, come help me, come help me. You come over here. You get to be Eve. Come help me, come help me, Mr. Axley, come help me. You get to be Adam.
if all we can rely on is our fleshly way of living in life, that's the only promise we have. We, all we will ever do is keep reaching, keep reaching for the apple. We keep repeating our same mistakes over and over again because our hope is in Adam and we live like our hope is in Eve. Yeah. Come here, Jeremy. But the Bible tells us that where the first Adam keeps reaching for the apple, Jesus keeps reaching for the Father. And because he came and he restored all that was broken and he restored all that had fallen and all that had been messed up by the power of sin because he came today, the word of God. See, we don't even realize how blessed we are. We, we put all of our apples in one basket. We, we put all of our hope in our earthly lineage and in our earthly father and our earthly mother. And somehow we think that being... We think that being adopted is second best. But because Jesus came and Adam and Eve fell, we've been adopted by the Father. And every right <laughs> and every access that He has to God the Father, we have that access and we have that promise. Don't ever tell me that Bethlehem is just Bethlehem and the manger is just a manger. Stand with me this morning. lift your hands in honor Spirit of God this morning Every doubt the enemy has placed in your mind. Anytime you've had second thoughts about your walk with the Lord, you've had questions about why you're here and is there a God and is there a purpose for you? Miss Sarah, there's never been a time that I've not been to his word that I've not found an answer. Adam, not one time. Brother Lane, Pastor Lane, never one time in my life at God's not had an answer to every question. And if you need someone today that can reach beyond every earthly option when it seems like 
All you've got is the sin and the fall of Adam and Eve, that connection. We have it. But if you need God to, to pull some strings, to, to, to work behind the scenes, to do some things in your life to bring you peace, you can have it today through Jesus Christ. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. You might say, Pastor, I have, I have some, man, I need some answers in my life. I don't, I don't really question God. I know that God is. But I've just got questions in my life today that I need answers to. I, I need the peace of God. I needed to be reminded that God's always working every detail for my good. And I, I need to touch Him today and I need Him to touch me. Would you step out from where you are and just meet me in this altar while we have this opportunity, while we have this moment. I, I just need, I need God to clear up some things for me. I need God to clear up some questions in my mind. I need God to bring that perfect peace that not only answers a question or a problem but takes care of of it all he's worthy of it all can I have some caring men and some caring ladies just would you come and lay your hands on those that are here seems like pastor there are so many details to my problems that I can't even tie them all together it's like trying to tie all this together this morning it's, it's difficult for the human mind to conceive but, but God knows the answer to the problem before we even know the problem And it seems like we're so discombobulated and others are being thankful for so many things. We're, we're thinking, God, what do I have to be thankful for? I just want to remind you today, He loves you. He adopted you. And you matter to Him. You are important to Him. He cares so much for you. Would you lift your hands toward those that are here?